Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wabo's most Canadian work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Void 7.2. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Last chapter we had, um, <laughs> well, we had all kinds of things. We went back to the police <laughs> station, which honestly I'm not super happy about. I'm not super thrilled, but I'm sure it's going to go well. Uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Um, anyway, so Blake and the Cabal are at the police station. They're escaping from eyes stuck on posters, drawn on posters, I should say. Uh, they head into the spirit world as a kind of way to slip this encroaching net of uh, of Sisters of the Torch, who are clearly know exactly where they are and are just closing in. Yeah, and obviously, like, going to the spirit world doesn't work at all. In fact, <laughs> nope. when they get in there, Makes it's it not worse. like... Yeah, it's not eyes drawn on a rune. Now it's, like, actual eyes, and they've got, like eyelids and gross pink bits like yep. they, they seem weirdly biological and gross so so that's nice yeah um yeah i i don't know why they thought oh we need to get away from the magic we're going to the spirit world it doesn't i don't think that tracks <laughs> but whatever um so uh, we get we get we get notes of uh how how blake is able to see the connections from the eyes to the practitioners that are looking through them and it just it kind of made me realize i don't know if we've talked about how cool connections like visible connections are in this universe right like they've been obviously Mm. present ever since blake awakened but it's so versatile like it helps you it's such a great tool to kind of visualize things um in this literary format like visualize the connections between things it's so awesome um so blake can see connections from the eye posters to the people that are looking through them in this and this would be like so much messier and less clean if Blake wasn't just able to be like, oh, it's these people over there and we can do, go over here and it all just kind of works. It's such a cool device. Well, I think the thing that really makes it go from like cool to this is amazing um, is how its complexity intertwines with the complexity of the site. Because when connections first sort of were introduced, I was like a little skeptical about how it would make sense because I was like, wouldn't everything have like almost infinite connections? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, and it turns out the answer is yes, and it's just like your site needs to be tuned to specific frequencies, which is which is such a great idea because then we could have Blake tr- look for specific things, like look for the connection as to who is looking through these papers. But then there's also plausible deniability for when he just completely misses other things. Yeah, because there's like so many variations that. It's very believable that on this infinite spectrum of connections attached to a specific thing, he missed one of the important ones if he wasn't looking for it. Yeah, and and there's a lot of moments where Blake kind of notices something's up, goes and sees a connection that he kind of missed, but is able to, with context, pick up on it being important, which is a very cool interaction that happens. Yeah, and and obviously it fits so well into this um, symbolic uh, and literary world. Like, you're right, it's... It's such a fantastic system, and you mentioned how great it is in in a book. But what I love about it as well is it, it's very visual. Like, oh, yeah. where, you know, if Pact were to ever get a, uh, adapted to a visual medium, yeah, um, it, it'd work just as well. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it'd be like. I mean, I guess you would have to not be looking through the site in an adaptation because there would just be connections everywhere all the time. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely have to have some. <laughs> some system for acknowledging when someone's using the site and yeah. like 
really establish that whole tuning of frequencies thing otherwise yeah yeah like it could very quickly get very messy (laughs) yeah um so i want to pull out a quote which i just thought was funny uh they've they've left the police station now and blake thinks the weather was steadily getting worse my clothes were soaked and the cold was seeping into me is this something important i asked raising my voice the weather it's important fell said raising his voice to be heard what is it no idea <laughs> like <laughs> it's kind of a dumb question that whether the weather is getting worse is important or not but i like that feels like yeah it's important i don't know what the fuck it is though <laughs> yeah and i mean especially with like conquest the the lord of the city and the yeah. eye who is sort of yeah. associated with not i guess not weather but you know sort of natural disasters yeah. i guess um i mean it obviously feels like a thing and, and i guess depending on how the chapter based on how the chapter ends I've sort of assumed that it's just a representation of Conquest getting pissy, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about how Conquest is kind of tied to Toronto. Um, so you can imagine as he gets more irate, the weather gets worse. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like there was maybe something more to it, but uh, now I don't think that, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, they're, they're kind of trying to escape... Uh, from the Sisters of the Torch closing in on them, and Evan gets sent off to scout, and he returns with some stolen car keys, which uh, turns out belongs to a few sisters who are stranded at their car, and Blake kind of starts <laughs> talking to them, as he's wont to do. Well, I guess their their method of escape was more, let's go, like, tackle the closest ones to sort of, like, just break <laughs> yeah. free. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's break through, not <laughs> yeah. away. Uh, which contrasts with how the chapter ends. Um, but I I love how Blake is always just trying to chat to people. Like, you know, he takes advantage <laughs> of the fact that these two don't have access to the car. And he's like, hey. Hey, let's let's, have, let's talk it out. Yeah. Let's have which a is D&M. Like, yeah. Because we're in his head. And so we know, like, he, he genuinely has good intentions. And he's trying to connect with them and say, hey, you know, like, <sighs> he's maybe manipulating them a, a little bit. But, like, I, I, I think, you know. He's manipulating them against conquest. Uh, I'm not going to call someone out for that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, he is a diabolist, so I totally also get their response where it's like, I'm not going to listen to this like literal snake in the garden. Yeah, uh, trying to trying to convince me that I should be on his side. Do you think one day Blake will get burned out on trying to talk to the people who are trying to kill him? <laughs> I I mean I hope not. Like because that'd be I think it's it'd be a bad sign, huh? Well, that, that'd that be, like, a snapping point. Like, I think, you know, it's very human to want to just, like, connect and get along with people and until you sort of snap and have just decided that you're against everyone or against other people. And for Blake's... In Blake's case, that would be against everyone, and obviously it's not what you want Diabolists doing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You definitely don't want Diabolists <laughs> losing faith in humanity, I suppose. Um, so as Blake talks to these two uh, and then three... Uh, we we kind of get more insight into how the Sisters for the Torch actually function. Um, they're basically just like high powered businesswomen with with magic, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean it's everything I hoped they'd be. Um, yeah. I think we talked about this previously. Also, like, so the two that he's talking to at the moment are from university, and they they sort of talk. They're like, "Yeah, we put in our two hours a week." And like, they're talking about <laughs> it like it's fucking piano lessons. Yeah, it's it's a club that they go to every <laughs> Wednesday and Thursday night or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's so not at all like what we're used to seeing. Uh, it's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, um, and they kind of they, they. It's interesting because they do give the impression a bit that they're weak, 
as a as a group, um, or maybe they're weak individually, but they do talk about how often they're underestimated. And we've seen kind of just having numbers in this in this like having a group in this world actually makes you quite powerful. Like Blake and his Kabbalah all beginners but they do incredibly well just because there's like five of them versus two or three in most encounters uh yeah and you got to keep in mind if you're in a really if this is quite a functional group yeah that, that is which doing they a seem good job, to be they seem to be quite yeah. aligned so far they seem to be pretty functional and if they're doing a good job of educating each other then like two hours a week might be pretty valuable you know yeah. um but like they do sort of treat this like I almost want to call it like a wellness program, yeah, like, like a self-help book almost. Yeah, because like you know, they uh, these two talk about how it's mostly just like a confidence thing. They're like, yeah, you know, with this in the back of our heads, it's quite easy to be really confident in in like the workplace and in your civilian life. Like this is very much for them, very secondary. Mm. Um, which is why that whole plan to outlast the weekend like seems actually like a really good idea. The yeah, more, the more we've seen of them. Yeah. Um. You know, because there's very much a sense of, oh, yeah, like, we're getting roped into some little war for now or whatever. But, like, overall, like, this is a pretty sweet gig. We we don't have to put in that much time and we get these great benefits. Yeah. Like, a war like this obviously happens once every, like, three lifetimes, maybe, for these people. Not not very frequently. So, it's not it's not like they're constantly on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but, Blake is unable to see how cool it is, I suppose, and he kind of <laughs> tries to stir up shit and, and just get them on his side a bit or even just rock the boat, kind of. You get the vibe. Um, mm. He tells them the truth about how Conquest is is just a figurehead. Which, I, I like this as a tactic. I mean, it's clearly designed to put the sisters in the firing line, which yeah. isn't great. I mean, yeah. on, on the list of things Blake has done that are morally dubious in this arc already, it's it's pretty low on the scale. Yeah, there's not uh, there's <laughs> worse things to worry about, but yeah. Um but like if if he if he's even remotely right about all of the sisters not knowing this and Conquest really not wanting them to know this, like this will it's not a it's not a great short term play. Like it obviously doesn't work out, but it is a great yeah. long term play. Like really going around and seeding doubt in conquest it seems like a great idea like uh well yeah yeah i mean blake's fated to die in the long term so <laughs> who knows if we'll get the chance to make the most of this but well yeah um i guess but, we'll get to that later <laughs> yeah um this did get me thinking though uh this is like a bit of an aside but uh, well i mean i guess this isn't gonna happen uh based on how the chapter ends but i, I was wondering as i was reading this like if blake confronted conquest about isadora like and, and it'd really be about framing it but essentially it'd be very easy i think to go to conquest and frame this whole isadora situation in a way that's like you don't own her like she considers that she's propping you up like she is mm-hmm. owning and manipulating you is mm-hmm. i think a, a valid viewpoint and that's not something that would gel with conquests being in my opinion so like, yeah a good way to get isadora i guess not on side but make it if, if he could irreparably damage her relationship with conquest that'd be a, a good thing hopefully uh so i was thinking like <laughs> he, he really should have like tried to make it clear to conquest that isadora is maybe not as subordinate uh mm. as, as she makes out yeah i i think it is a it's an okay plan but it is kind of hard to predict how these people will, people how these things will react <laughs> sometimes right y- yeah for sure um so, yeah, Blake has kind of tried to stir up shit, but it doesn't seem to work. I mean, obviously, they're a pretty cohesive unit, 
but you know it, they also don't quite trust Blake and they also I, I guess don't fully understand the the ramifications of what that means um but it's a good try yeah well I mean that's sort of what I was talking about like I don't think this was ever going to work in the short term like I don't yeah. think that I don't think this sort of revelation was ever going to be the one where they just all drop their weapons and join his side all of a sudden uh but it's definitely the sort that will over say the next few weeks really start to test their relationship with them and since his plan is in theory uh to outlast conquest for right now that's that's still a good result mm. yeah yeah long-term play i guess yeah we'll see um so uh blake's talking to the sisters and they kind of let slip seemingly that that the elder sister is is being held as a hostage by conquest in order to get the other sisters you know to toe the line yeah and it's sort of one of those situations where she's not like i didn't get the impression she's in chains or she's like locked up but it's yeah. just conquest is keeping her nearby and it's almost an implicit rather than an explicit threat yeah i think so wait like just just keeping her nearby and and counting on the rest of the sisters to to know that that's a threat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah but they don't and so they they you know blake tells them like hey man you're putting yourself in the line of danger here just abandon the elder sister like get the hell out of here but they won't they're very you really get the impression that they care about the elder sister and they're very like loyal to each other it's sweet yeah yeah for sure like i actually i like i didn't get the impression at all and it wasn't until you actually wrote that that i was like oh maybe they're like under some oath or something but Mm. that's not at all how it even comes across it's it's very much like i think I, I, you do just get the impression that they're all just loyal to the sisterhood. Yeah, they it, Yeah, it, I guess a sorority is a pretty good analogy for it, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind yeah. of explicitly a sorority in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's the, it's a funny it's a funny group this one. <laughs> um, but eventually, the peaceful discussion breaks down and a fight is about to break out. But Tyler throws Leonard's bottle at a wall, and he kind of disperses, comes out as a gas, and just knocks out the sisters immediately. Um, so yeah, they they do seem weak, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they did kind of get sneak attacked in yeah. a way, but uh, yeah, like you know Leonard Leonard got some action. I mean obviously it kind of wipes him out, but yep, he's uh, he seems to be done now. <laughs> I mean, considering how fragile he was when Blake first got him, I uh, got pretty good use out of him, honestly. Like, call yeah. that a win. Well, I guess. Let's talk about using him, shall we? Because <laughs> I, I think it's important to point out that Blake... I mean, obviously, Blake and Leonard didn't have as much of a connection as, like, Blake and June, for example. But he doesn't seem to see them or see Leonard here as much as human as he did before. Um he doesn't take this hard or it doesn't even... I mean, he kind of remarks on it, but that's basically it. No, you're right. There's no sense of using up Leonard. It, it does feel much more like using up a tool. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and in fact, after you wrote that, I, I, I sort of noticed something and went back and double-checked. And since... Wait, so in 7.1, June is never... The, the word June is, does not exist in 7.1. Um, she's always referred to as the hatchet. Mm. uh and and sort of and then i went back to to 612 and 611 and, and similarly like he doesn't really refer to her with the same warmth yeah. that he used to she's so I kind think, of become dehumanized right yeah or, or something in blake's so, something in blake has changed so i i don't know if i've there, there weren't enough references to the hatchet or not to june to make me really concretely come down either way but this is definitely something i want to keep an eye on now because there's 
there's definitely this sense of, yeah, less attachment to them as sentient beings than yeah. they used to be. Yeah, I think it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, so Blake and the Cabal head to leave uh, after taking out the sisters. But before they do, Blake decides not to slit any of their throats, but warns them that he could have, which is a great way to get them on side. Yeah, it's pretty fucking creepy because he, he, unless I'm misreading this, he wrote that on the neck of oh, one yeah. of them. So like, on the on their necks, he kind of he makes draws a, dotted a dotted line, line where he would have cut their throats and write and writes uh, what I I could have cut your throat, but I chose not to. Conquest would have or something like that, right? Yeah, which is still pretty fucking creepy. Like I yeah, don't know if that's no, really that's a, gonna, a yeah, that's gonna move. help for sure. Blake. <laughs> like leave a sticky note on one of their hands. <laughs> Te- or give something. them a text, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like. Just leaving them alive may have already made the point. Like, yeah. I don't know. This, this for me, it was just like reading that. I was just like, this, this is probably unnecessary. Like, write it on the hand or something, you know? Yeah. Like, Jesus. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, it's just like, it, it, it's funny how much the opening to this arc has con- contrasted to me with the opening of Arc 6. Because I remember, like, Arc 6 opened with Blake, you know, meeting up with all his friends and then sort yeah. of awakening them. And and there was very much a sense in our, at the beginning of Arc Six of hey look this is Blake and all his close friends and he's still very connected and human and that's his biggest asset and then that sort of got challenged in the second two thirds of um, or yeah. the latter two thirds of of Arc Six yeah and then Arc Seven's really just opened up with Blake being pretty fucking creepy and and horrific like, he does it, it, you do feel like he's kind of going off the deep end a bit don't you it was it's yeah it's very different to to what i had so hopefully arc seven is going to do the inverse of arc six and mm. we're opening with blake being terrible and then the rest of the arc is going to be good if i know one thing about wild Bo stories it's definitely not <laughs> that the protagonists make increasingly worse moral decisions over the course of the story so i'm sure it will be fine <laughs> um so they they head out uh and and you know the the group that were at the police station reunite with with the rest of them. Um, the weather is getting worse and the world's getting darker and they kind of head to their closest safe house. Yeah, and I have to read out one of the quotes from mm. early in this section uh, where Blake just says, The gap between the two worlds was swiftly closing. Darkness, I thought. Which just... I don't know what it was about this line, but I think this is the bit where it really just clicked for me and I was mm. like, oh man, like, shit's getting really intense right now like this was yeah all all the weather stuff had been going on and, and like there's that that feeds into this undercurrent as you're reading of like shit's getting intense but there was something about this line that just made me suddenly go like oh we're in for some shit like conquest is is losing it um or yeah like things are, things are coming to a head <laughs> yeah and i love how you know obviously a lot of stories will have you know oh it rain it's raining the weather's raining now because it's a sad scene right and it's kind of like the mm. weather responds mm. to the story but i love that this there's, there's actually like in text reasons for this to be happening the weather's getting worse and the power's cutting out that's because conquest is getting you know less stable and so is the city like it's it's just very fun. It's just a very fun way of having this reason for literary devices, which I guess is the motto of Pact. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. it's very Pact and it's great. Like yeah, as you said, this is something that a lot of movies in particular uh yep. do is is make it rain or, or things or something something when things are intense and Pact gets to do that and have it in universe makes sense. Yep. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so the group head to the safe house, which unfortunately turns out to be not that, because, surprise, Conquest and his champions knew exactly where they were. So the shepherd comes in and brings a bunch of really spooky wraiths who kind of attack the real humans in this uh, shop. I think it's a grocery store. Um, yeah. And they kind of feed off of the negative emotions, cause a riot, and basically just start fucking shit up. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so I want to call out one line uh, that sort of is as they're approaching uh, this grocery store where things re- where the shit really hits the fan. Um, yeah. And Blake says, we marched as a group. I could see how the others crowded around one another, shoulder to shoulder. Only Maggie, Fell, and I stood apart, mm. which is just, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. This is a great image. Like, the three of them being isolated from everyone else is just so on point. Um, yeah. Uh, I love this. Yeah. I love this line and I love this image. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's good. Um, but yeah, things start to go really badly now. Uh, <laughs> they basically have to fight their way through a bunch of horrific ghosts. Yeah, man, these wraith are fucking terrifying. Like, so they, they sort of hybridize with these people that they, like, subsume yeah um, i don't know how to yeah it's it's a chaotic scene right which is great because you really get put on the back foot like one moment you're safe and the next moment literally wraiths are like eating people and there's a riot <laughs> and everything's popping off and you're just kind of like wait what's yeah you're really like caught off guard by it well yeah and because and because it, it was a bit confusing for me at first like I, I didn't really understand what was happening and then you sort of find out so the wraith are finding hosts that are yeah complementary to them and, and like hybridizing with them yeah yeah so you get like this this woman who finds like a young child and forms like this half woman half child half man half woman like yeah uh, weird wraith creature that's yeah. like bl- like bleeding out of orifices apparently mm. um there's a whole bunch of what the fuck with these wraith like forget demons these things are terrifying yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. But don't worry, it can always get worse, Elliot, because the shepherd's not the only one here. The astrologer apparently is exerting her power here too, because there's some kind of warrior spirit that has rocked up with a giant fucking bow and arrow and just starts popping off. Well, at this point, he just has a sword and shield. Oh, um, sure, yes. And so my first thought was that this was like Orion. Mm, uh, which would be great, like summoning literal constellations. Yeah, and it makes sense because she's the astrologer. I actually had the image that Orion was up in the sky in my first read-through, but, or what I thought was maybe Orion was in the sky, but actually on my second read-through, I don't think that's ever specified. I think he may have just been standing in the street. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his eye, his eyes are lights and, and there's all this, like, sun imagery, so, like, him being stars kind of winds up with the whole Orion thing. But there's mm. no mention of a belt, and the, the belt is usually pretty important. Yeah. For Ryan, so maybe I'm wrong, but in my head, this was, yeah, some sort of manifestation of the constellation of Orion. Mm, well, headcanon that, and we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> um, I want to read out this very unexpected line, which is, Blake notices the snow piled on his shoulders, dusting his hair and pubes white. It, it just, I don't know why, maybe I'm just being immature, but it really made me giggle. <laughs> it just feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like, it's very... It's a whole paragraph describing this, like, Greek warrior kind of style. And then the last bit is like, oh, yeah, and there's snow on his pubes. It's like, what, <laughs> what, what hap- what's going on here, Blake? No, I agree. It jumped out to me and made me chuckle as well, which maybe I'm just immature as well. But, <laughs> but like, because it is mentioned that he's naked. And, and uh, like, so, like, of course, 
like his his crutch is 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 out there to bear. Um, uh, so I don't know why the mention of snow on the pubes does it for me. <laughs> yeah. but you're right, it does. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So the the cabal is basically surrounded at this point. Uh, and there is an opening, but Fel kind of realizes, hey, this is a trap. Let's not do that. Um, and instead, they try and uh, break through a wraith to escape. And that doesn't work at all. So <laughs> so then they end up running. Um, yeah. Yeah. As I said, I feel like this ties into what happens right at the start with the sisters, where yeah. uh, it works out for them there, but doesn't at all here. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, something interesting that happens is Evan tries to call on the hyena again to, you know, get some more firepower. But the hyena basically says, nah, I'm, I'm cool in my sword, <laughs> uh, which is a bit of a dick move for the hyena. But I guess it, make, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to think if I if I felt like there was something more going on here. And I, and I don't think so. I think this is just the hyena <laughs> being a being dick. A, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, like yeah you know he's gonna see violence either way and that's what he really cares about yeah um i also just had to call out this this bit where uh so rosa's unleashed mary on the wraiths and mary tries to tackle this one wraith but just sort of goes through it and so then uh blake uh narrates she stabbed herself a few times in the thigh in irritation (laughs) and i was just like what the fuck yeah i guess (laughs) you don't become an other if you're like well adjusted just uh I, yeah i like what a what a lovely bit of decoration on on mary's psychosis <laughs> yeah. uh it's great yeah yeah it's great it yeah i i love i mean mary has not got any characterization really at this point but she is just a fun it's fun to have a spooky horrifying monster on your team yeah actually i forgot to call out a bit uh before they go before the grocery store stuff happens uh Blake is sort of trying to look through the windows and, and before he can sort of look through, you know, the, the windows reflect and he just sort of sees Rose standing there with Mary beside mm. her and he comments how imperious is the word he uses as yeah. she looks. Yeah. And um, I mean, given how things go at the end of this chapter, um, I feel like that those little bits of Rose characterization is she's becoming more confident in mm. who she is uh, might be very relevant. Um <sighs> But yeah, yeah, I also like as as they start to make a, a run for it after they realize they can't take on the wraith. Uh, Blake goes and wait. Well, he gets June out, and he's sort of yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you know, if um if the ghosts can sort of hurt wraith, maybe June will have a go." Yeah, and I just thought this was hilarious because June's main power seems to be that she makes things real cold, <laughs> and they're already in the middle of like a blizzard. Yeah, basically. Too late. Right? So <laughs> I don't know what he thinks it's gonna like. She's gonna do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know why he. Well, you know, he he only has the one or two tools, right? He's got to use whatever he can. Um, So the group kind of start to make a break for it and they start to get out, but it comes at a cost. Uh, Blake turns around and sees that Alexis has gotten shot by an arrow from the the astrologer's star warrior. Uh, And as he's watching, Fel also takes an arrow to the the collarbone and things are going bad. Yeah, like this... And this is like the last 200, or not, maybe not even, maybe like 100 words of the yeah. chapter. And it really just goes from the usual packed level of intensity to, holy shit, like level 100 really quickly. Like, um, it reminded me of the first time I read through the, the Red Wedding part in, mm. in Game of Thrones, where you just sort of like, oh, this is this is a bit tense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Um, But don't worry, it can always go worse, Elliot, because... <laughs> Uh, Blake's kind of watching this go down and things kind of go into slow motion a bit 
And then everybody stops, and Blake turns around, and Isadora is there. She says one or two pithy words to Blake, and then just fucking stabs him with her claws in the stomach, like, tears him up so that uh, you can see ribs. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. It doesn't seem... It doesn't seem survivable. Yes, uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh, uh, it's so heartbreaking how it happens as well, because he's trying to drag Alexis uh, into an alleyway to get her yeah. out of the line of fire, and he's like, please, just let me help Alexis before you do this, and Isadora just, like... Shushes him. <laughs> yeah, with a, shushes him with the human hands while she's killing him with a lion once it's uh ah <sighs> uh, it's it's fantastic to to read like it hurts but in 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 all the ways it's meant to yeah and that's the end of the chapter so <sighs> yeah it's going well so far <laughs> yeah let's hurry up and end this in this recording so i can go read 7.3 unfortunately before that we have other <laughs> stuff to do elliot um actually we wanted to bring up a discussion question because i really 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 liked the answers we got to the last one about the alternate history stuff um yeah me too and so i wanted to give people a, another discussion question that was a bit of a kind of theory crafting a bit of a, a bit more creative um than some of the more analytical ones we've done uh, and, and so we see actually kind of what the astrologer can do or part of what the astrologer can do in this in this uh, chapter, but um, it's very different. Uh, and so we thought a fun discussion question might dive into having different ideas for other cool uh, practitioner specialties that we could see. Um, so I'm going to give you the official wording that we went with here, which is practitioning is such a flexible and varied profession. What are some cool ideas for practitioner specialties that we don't see in PACT? uh yet i suppose yeah well i mean obviously like don't don't be the person who like pulls something from arc 11 and just decorates it as your own original idea <laughs> what about cause... a lawyer who can summon <laughs> demons huh? uh yeah because the majority of the people are going to see through it it's only going to be me who who yep. will not understand <laughs> yeah. um so so yeah obviously please avoid spoilers uh but I, i'm I mean, there's so much varied mythology around the world, and Pact is obviously borrowing bits and pieces from all different sorts of like ancient cultures and and modern cultures uh, to build its world. So I feel like there's so much to pull from. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm so keen to see what people come up with, and and I'm hoping there'll be some answers that are just really like obscure mythology that I had no idea about. Yeah, you sometimes see threads on the Parahuman subreddit that everyone should check out. By the way. Uh, that are like, oh, what would this ward character be like as a as a practitioner, or what would this superhero be like as a practitioner? I, I'd be interested to hear uh, people's takes on kind of mythological heroes and how they could be practitioners, which I guess is kind of just similar to our previous discussion question. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think well, we did really cool. like that one. So. Yeah, it was awesome. So let's <laughs> round two. Uh, round two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what people come up with for this one. Uh, yeah fun fun stuff um now where can people put their answers to that elliot uh well in the show notes for this very episode uh you will find the link to the discussion thread on reddit which is the best place to put answers for that discussion question yep uh we'll come back in you know a week and and round off some of the best answers that we like the most uh, but until then pop them into the discussion thread or if you want you don't have a reddit account you can tweet them to us on our twitter which is at MediaMD podcast yeah, or, or emailing us uh, at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com is, mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. another option. Yep, but mainly just pop them in the Reddit, I think is the, honestly the best answer. <laughs> um, 
So if you want more information on Deep Impact or all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network, you can head to the website, which is doofmedia.com. I think we're actually about to wrap up the uh, the Ward fan art contest, right? That's that's closing in like a few days. I I think the applications have already closed, so Sorry, our I'm, patrons are right. the ones I'm thinking of the voting. voting. Yes. Now, can anybody vote, Elliot? No, just the patrons. So mm. uh, if you if you really want to get in and and you know vote for your fan art that you submitted, but you're not a patron, uh, <laughs> we can't or- keep talking about that. <laughs> Scott will get mad at us. <laughs> um, yeah, but so yeah, you know if you if you want to get in and vote for the art and, and have your say on which one you think is the best, then become a doof patron. It's one of the many perks. Yes, there are a lot of perks. Seeing the fan art and getting to vote on it is one, but of course you'll get access to the Discord server. Um, Q&A, you can even prescribe media for the Doofcast podcast uh, if you're at one of the higher tier uh, perks. So all kinds of cool goodies you can get there. Um, But of course, the most important goodie that you'll get is that warm feeling of knowing that you're supporting this show and all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network. Yes, and don't forget the warm feeling you can get from donating to Wildbo as well, Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously he's writing all these stories that we are talking about. Yes, you, you really, every time Wildbo posts a new chapter, I go in and I pick a random word and I say, this word's the word that my donation helped create. And sometimes I get a really good one. So if you want to play that game along with me, head to patreon.com slash Wildbo and support Wildbo for writing all these great stories. Uh, apart from that, we'll see everyone on Monday, the 3rd of June for mm. chapter 7.3. See you then. See you then.